I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Legend Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Tour de France Femme Avec Zwift 2024 route reaction, half of which is not in France. So already <laughs> there's a foreign Grand Depart for this race starting in Luke's neck of the woods in the Netherlands and SD Works neck of the woods too. Wait, is it SD Works a Dutch team, right? Not a Belgian team. Correct. Okay. Anyway, and the Demi Vollering and Lorena Vivas will be happy to see that. Because of the Olympics, this race is after the Olympics and not directly after the men's Tour de France. There's, I think, Kopecky said the Omnium on the track is the day before yes. the first stage of this race. So can riders get from Paris to to Rotterdam uh, in in a day? I say yes, but actually that might be difficult with sign-on. I don't know. So that's something to bear in mind if there's track riders and many, many women, especially sprinters, are in their respective nations track squads at the upcoming Olympics. So that's something to bear in mind. What do you think about the Grand Depart, Benji, being foreign? And, and also, you got a Belgian one. Honestly, I don't really care too much that it doesn't start in France. I also don't really care too much that over 50% of the cities, like the starting and ending spots in this Tour de France Femme, are not in France. But I don't, I'm not really bothered by that too much. I understand how Netherlands would be the perfect place for this to do, because let's be honest about it, the Dutch women have kind of dominated the scene a few years, and I would argue that it's probably then one of the best countries to do it, and also because I feel like when it comes to women's cycling, Netherlands is really on top when it comes to fandom and stuff as well, so I'd expect quite a bit of support for that Grand Depart. Yes, it's not completely a Tour de France, but I'll get over it, that's for sure, and hey, they're visiting Belgium, so won't see me complain. And it's also like, it's understandable from a route building perspective. In the last years, they've backloaded this race and they're trying to do that again in 2024. And starting in a, a flat-ass country like the Netherlands is a, a pretty logical start for a backloaded Grand Tour. Yeah, exactly. Where it's the same design as Benji alluded to. It begins flat Although there is a, a stage with two, a day, sorry, with two stages, the second of which is a very short time trial, like a short prologue. And then it effectively increases in intensity with some hill stages, including one in Belgium, as Benji said, a Liège light classic, uh, building up with a softer mountain stage on seven, and then a proper difficult double uh, HC climb mountain stage to finish off, like we had, well, no. We had a TT to finish off this year, but that's the uh, that's the Tourmalet stage that we have again. The route effectively goes north, like starting in the uh, in Rotterdam or uh, start in Rotterdam. No, starts yeah, starts in Rotterdam and goes to the Hague and goes north through Belgium 
through the Alsace region on the, on the on the German border, and then all the way down to the Alps at Alpe d'Huez. So, not the mini boucle or, or a grand boucle, more a, a point to point uh, north to <laughs> south uh, in France on the west, uh, the east side of the uh, the country. So, they are basically using the same formula formula as yep. last year, Benji. The only thing is the TT. I don't know because it's a day shorter, right? The overall yep. race is actually a day shorter because of the two stages on one day. Why? Why is there the TTKs lower? Is it because they didn't really want to do a TT, but they felt obliged to have some sort of TT? Because last year there was a proper TT that Royce won on the last stage. You're right, but how I see it is that maybe they thought about, oh, we want to do a double stage day so two stages in one day on the second day and maybe that led to the conclusion that they would do a flat stage and the time trial would be shorter because there's already a flat stage in the legs of the riders whether that's the exact theory that led to the the brewing of the situation i don't know but that's how i perceive it i'm not as bothered by there being only 6.3 kilometers of itt in this race as many other people are i i don't think it's I like it because I feel like the less TT kilometers, the more of a chance people will have to beat Demi Volering in this race. And not that I'm against Demi Volering, but I want the I want the oh, fight. We're against we're against her. <laughs> you <laughs> Is that are our official position. Um, <laughs> SD Works went one two last year and this year in GC with Volering and Kapeki coming second on the same time as Nidia Doma coming third. Van Lurten fourth has retired, obviously. Riolini didn't start the race, but there were big gaps. Three minutes from Volering to her teammate yep. Kapeki and four minutes to Van Vlerten, uh, and, and three minutes to Nidia Doma. So Volering obviously will, whatever route they put down, frankly, as long as it has some sort of mountain, uh, would start the hot favourite. Although Kapeki, I really think keeps improving but we'll see with the track so it's uh it's really up to Nivea Doma and others to to step up and and do so but yeah if, if the route was good in the men's for Vingegaard this is a route which barring incident or drafting behind a car illegally it's another one where <laughs> Volering will be like the $1.10 favorite, uh, at least in my opinion, if she retains that level. But hopefully Riolini steps up or, or Nivedoma continues to yep. step up. That would be lovely to see. Uh, why don't we get into it, Benji? Um, yep. Stage one, Rotterdam to The Hague, 124Ks, obviously pancake flat. Uh, they're going towards the coast. I think it might have five meters of eleva elevation gain this stage. Uh, finishing where all the, the UN, etc. is. This is Lorena Vibers, uh, Charlotte Cool, who are, I don't know if she gets on the track. This is a big sprint to start it off, and yep. Vibers probably takes yellow in, uh, in her country. Vibers or Charlotte Cool are a different sprinter that might level up, but it's clear, it's clear that it's between those two on paper right now. And Vibers is, in my opinion, like you said, also the one that is slightly above call at the moment, so I'm also looking at that. There is potential in these first few days for echelons in the Netherlands, but I feel like I don't know the actual terrain enough around the area. It looks close to the border, uh, uh, close to the coast, which is something that indicates potentially there'll be wind. But on the other end, 
Didn't you also like say that a lot of this is happening in cities or is that more stage two? I think that's more stage two. This is uh, actually going from between two cities, but yeah, stage two, well, 2A rather, I've not, we've never previewed a day like this, is from Dordrecht to Rotterdam, but here this is, I think, a glorified city criterion. Uh, it's mostly mm -hmm. doing a lot of laps or, or in and out of Rotterdam, which is obviously very, very built up. Uh, even we were speaking before the show about crosswinds, potential crosswinds. Of course, that would be something that would spice up uh, the first two stages if there were crosswinds, but you don't need skyscrapers even to stop yeah. crosswinds having an effect. Even a three-story, four-story building in a built-up environment it means that the wind is not going to be able to create echelons. So I can't see that happening. You need you need an open plane with not even any trees. Um, so maybe. Well, this is straight. Oh, sorry, go on. Maybe in the starting point of the stage, like the first 20 yeah. kilometers, there's options where they're actually going from Dordrecht to Rotterdam to then eventually have the, the Rotterdam crit. But I agree that within Rotterdam, it's going to be hard to create those ones. The thing with these sprints as well is the first stage in The Hague Final straight on an avenue, last five kilometers on pretty wide roads. So that's pretty straightforward. So no like, no like bandwidth 200 meters to go based on the description of Mario, which is the uh, president of the Tour de France firm. She's the Tour de France firm's Christian Perdon, if we have to compare it between the two races. When it comes to that second stage, also a wide finish. So I would argue we won't see anything spectacular when it comes to technicalities, hopefully. So we should see a proper head-up sprint. But what are you going to say? Oh, just some Dutch history. This is called in French on the profiles Holland Meridionale. Dean, it's not Italian, but Meridional Holland. I think this is South Holland, um, the Rotterdam area. So that's some geography for you. One of the most densely populated areas in the world, apparently. Uh, and I think there's going to be fans all along the road like everywhere. I think this is going to be, like we mentioned before the, the stage previews, Benji, there's a reason this race is coming here. I think this is going to be absolutely packed, particularly if the Dutch women have had success at the Olympics. They're going to be, you know, there or thereabouts for the road race or TT as well. So people will be lining up to see their gold medal or whatever heroes here. The yep. strange part is this, this TT. What is yep. this? Rotterdam well, to Rotterdam. Pardon? First of all, I think we need to start talking about the fact of the two stages on one day, what the effect will have before we dive into the second stage. Because, like, I reckon I've seen this before in some of the... What, is it the Simak Ladies Tour that does it? I think yeah. some of the Dutch, the Dutch one-week one yeah. races Healthy aging. Yeah, has done that before, if I recall as well. So we, we see those, like, combinations of two stages on one day. We've seen it back in the day in men's cycling as well, but that has kind of disappeared from the top levels of, of men's cycling. I kind of like it. It's like a full day of activities. I don't know. <laughs> and like the first sprint stage, also 67 kilometers, a 2A stage. So then to have a 6.3 kilometer ITT afterwards from Rotterdam to Rotterdam. So basically a route around Rotterdam. <laughs> that is going to be very minimal differences, I reckon. Yes, I mean, six. Uh, there can, I think there can be, though. Like, yeah. poor old Riolini's looking at this. Yeah. 20 thinking, seconds. Geez, you know, this ain't the best thing for me. Uh, a power flat TT, a seven minute effort. Whereas 
someone like uh, I'm looking at the Simac Ladies Tour as you mentioned. They had a seven k TT. Someone like Kapeki can win this. She can win this TT and blow everyone away. And she had gaps like to Volering. She had fifteen seconds and to probably. I don't know. There weren't too many climbing GC contenders at that race, but I dare say someone like Kapeki could put 20-plus seconds into a Nuvia Doma on this. So I think it's a good course for Kapeki to podium again, but Volering should still be probably the best of the GC contenders. It's almost a bit too short for someone like Royce. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if Vibas has yellow after the first two sprints. Will she be able to hold on to that against probably her teammate Kapeki if she is there? Uh, I don't know. Why not try? Dyke might be back too. Uh. Yeah, true. That's also a factor that we haven't considered the return of Alan Van Dijk and so forth. But it's also a shortity, so there might be some spicy, uh, spicy results by the end. But stage four is really where the, where the race kicks off, in my opinion, which is basically if we call... These stages to A and to B, then technically the next stage is stage three and not stage four, which sorry, but this is this is playing with yeah. my head. How is that that how can you have because normally to have a TT that's uh under ten kilometers, aka a prologue, it has to be the first stage. I don't yeah. there's obviously an exception in the rules that if you have two you, stages you, on one day, you can have the second stage as a TT that's you can so short. You can have any TT as that short, but it is just classified as a prologue when it is oh, at the start of the race. Okay. So it's not that it blocks the race organizers from having a two-kilometer TT at the end if they want. Question, if this is still the rules, why do so many riders participate in the prologue? Agreed. I don't understand when there's Declare the rule for people. Oh, so I think the rule is, Luke will correct me if I'm wrong, that you the reason it's called a prologue, not a time trial, is because there is no time cut. And so if you don't participate in the prologue or if you don't finish, you are just put on the last time uh, of the last, the time of the last rider. So if you're a sprinter at a Tour de Romandie with Tion 2000 mm -hmm. coming up and, and two mountain stages, you could effectively just not do the prologue. It doesn't matter because you're not there for GC. And I don't, we rarely see riders not doing the prologue at all. I understand it's good to test the equipment, get data, etc. I do not believe that all eight riders in every prologue yeah. in this year are testing data and the equipment. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know why they all do it. I don't remember the rule specifically. I perceived it as you don't need to finish it, but you do need to start it, but I'm not oh, okay. certain there. But anyway, same story. Eh? Why do they all finish it? Well, there's no <laughs> time cut. Jump Why don't on they the do bike it one meter in? Thirty kilometers an hour on a road bike <laughs> would be a gimmick. Just getting up the the starting ramp and then jumping in the car. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'd do it. We won't see that in the in the TT on stage. Yes, yeah, stage three. We're not allowed to call it stage two B. Uh, but yeah, this this classic stage, Benji, which is stage four. Run us through this because th there could be huge GC gaps already on this stage. Yeah, the name at the start and the name at the finish already declares what kind of stage it will be. Valkenburg is the start and Liège is the finish. So Valkenburg we know from uh, from the Amstel Gold Race. And then Liège we know from Liège-Beston-Liège. And that's exactly what this race is. It's a combination of both of these two races. The first 30 kilometers is Amstel Gold Race with a combination of the... Uh, let me just put my laptop vertically here. The Bemelerberg, the Kauberg, the Hulhemmerberg, the Bemelerberg. So those are the first four climbs in the first 24 kilometers which 
the thing about that is that it could be something to form a breakaway, but I often feel like I often feel like in women's cycling we might ride over these first few climbs unhindered, and maybe there'll be a few attacks. I hope that last year the actions of Phoenix, which was one of the best teams in that race, to look at because they were so active and so forth i hope that triggers other people to also get into breakaways more to also try to get more from the race than just sitting in the peloton and hoping that you can compete at the finish line even when you're far from the favorite but the second half of the race after like a, a 40 kilometer of just transitioning terrain we get towards the climbs which are towards uh towards liege and we've got the Monteux with roughly 50 kilometers to go, 2.8 kilometers, 5.9%. That probably won't be the one where people go on, but then it arrives at 88 kilometers into the stage, so about 34 kilometers from the finish line, the Côte La Redoute, which is the one from LBL where people tend to launch, 0.6 kilometers at 9.4%. Then we've got the Cornemont, which is an unclassified climb just behind that, which is like a few kilometers later, three kilometers later. Côte des Forges also in the race with 23 kilometers to go, 1.3 kilometers at 7.8%. And the final kicker is the Rochefoucauld 1.3k at 11%, which lands with 13 kilometers to go. So it's the final of it's the final of LBL, right? And there's a rider to the Ardennes triple this year who also won this race overall, Demi Vollering. So she will have seen this stage with absolute glee. I think yeah. it's so difficult and it's so it's so clearly, I mean, it literally is the Liège finish that there's no, ah, oh, we go for Lotta today. We give the stage to Lotta Kopecky. To me, it's very obvious that this would, you would go for Vollering or you'd play both of them uh, as cards. You could maybe play Kopecky early like they did in Strata Bianca uh, as well. But if I was her, I would really target this stage. Probably she's a little bit behind. Kopecky, so in terms of... if I'm just going to assume Kopecky's here because it's more fun. <laughs> I'm going to assume she's not here. Okay. I think she prioritizes Olympic. Right. I mean... Yeah, maybe. Olympic we gold her, is huge. We want her to be here. Yeah. Right? If you're volering, you got to take time back on your teammate here. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta, you got to go on for it at this stage. Yeah, on, no, and Kopecky from the pro <laughs> from the TT. So I think she's got to go for it on this stage. <laughs> Um, love to see Nivea Doma also active. I mean, Canyon Shram are the team who I think improved. They were the most improved team of women's cycling in 2023. Yeah. Probably incorrect. I'm sure if you look at the numbers, it's probably SD works, but boring. Um, <laughs> I think Canyon Shram really impressed me. They even won a stage of this race with Bowen Fine, who was at the Root presentation. I would love if their classics team, their Arden classics team with Nivea Doma, with Roy Akers, with Balan Find, if they stepped up another little step, and now they've got Baxter Benji. Yes. Baxter transferred from correct from EF because it folded. Um, I'd love to see them do something. Uh, I got Volring winning the stage though. Hard to see past her, to be honest. Yeah, I think that's a, a viable winner on your on your spreadsheet here, and that's really like the the first kicker of the stage and. The thing is, this is still 122 kilometers, but it's going to be hard throughout. If we go to the next two stages, those are the ones that are longer. The first, next three stages are longer. The next one's uh, 150 kilometers from Bastogne to Anneville. So we're entering France. About 50 kilometers into the stage, we enter the French region. And 
I don't know, there are hills in the last half of this race. We've got with roughly 30k to go, the code, the, how the fuck do you pronounce that? Brie? Brie? Something like that. Oh, like you know, I can't do the, I can't do the Alsace-Lorraine ones. <laughs> I really, I've always struggled. Four years in, I can't do them. Code de Brie. Code de Brie. Brie. We're in the, the Moselle. Brie, the cheese. 1.1k, 4.4%, so I don't see that doing most. Then with 16k to go, there's 1.7 kilometers at 6%, so that's a, that's a bit rougher, and that's really the last pure challenge, but I feel the last kilometer of the stage is going uphill. Did Marion Rus say anything about that, or...? I, I think it's I... like a false fat drag, maybe like 2-3%. Yeah. It looks really, really good for Kopecky, but... Or Lippert, or not hard enough? Lippert is so good on those, but I think she likes 5-6%. Yeah. Um, or to be like Amstel Gold Race, where it's like 2Ks, 8%, and then a flat 500 meters afterwards. Yeah. This is screaming Kopecky to me, but also, to be honest, Vibas can make this in her new form. Um, I think it's going to be... But I think this is breakaway. Okay. I think this is a breakaway winning because it is really quite rolly with some decent hills and one 16, 15 Ks from the finish. This reminds me of the Norsgaard stage uh, that she won where Royce mm -hmm. and Lippert on the final hill randomly went clear. The chase wasn't that good and Norsgaard won. I think that's viable. I think... Um, who would I expect to see make that move though as in Voss would probably be the candidate for Yumble for a stage like this but might we see some reverse lead out shit where Marcus goes on the attack tries to use her TT skills like that we uh, we see Grace Brown in opportunities like this all the time there there's so many riders that could be doing this that it's impossible to predict it from a year out but it should be a good stage but I reckon I reckon the next two will be harder stages than people perceive as in I feel like stage, what number are we at? <laughs> oh dear. Jesus six. Christ. We're six. The Morto stage is stage six. Yeah, okay. The Morto stage. I'll, I'll let you introduce it, but the length is really going to do something on that one, I reckon. I think so. And I'm just reminding myself, you know, because I keep saying, ah, well, a lot of Kopecky will clean that one up and then SDWorks will share it around, you know. There were three breakaway wins in about four days in this year's race because the chase was non everyone decided quite rightly we are not going to help SD Works anymore. Yep. And Castelline won after Van der Velde nearly won yep. two days before. And then there was Bauenfeind and then there was Norsgaard. It might have yep. been it might have been the Bauenfeind stage where Royce and Lippert went clear, but you get my point. Like I think breakaways, even in the Liege stage, frankly, are possible. And I think Canyon Shram will target that. But yeah, stage six, uh, Christian Prudhomme was talking about Morteau at Saucisson. So apparently the sausage is good uh, from Morteau in the Verge region. It is hilly as well. Hilly for the first 106 Ks, but not too severe. And then intensifies with 5.5 Ks, 5.6%. But the categorization effectively cuts off the second third of that climb that I yeah. can see. So that's basically a nine kilometer climb with a short descent and then a 2k 7% steep section. So that's actually basically it's, a mountain. it's 17k of climbing with a short descent in it. It's a mountain before yep. a, uh, what is it? 
maybe 10k descent into Morto with a flat section at the end, you can make differences here. Like we know yep. in the women's peloton as well, five and six percent is enough if the big guns go to make differences. My question is though, with this stage and with the future stages we're going into, Van Vleuten was really the orchestrator and the catalyst of early action in a lot of the stages we had in the Tour de France farm in previous years. As in she would launch from the bottom of like what the Grand Ballon two years ago, if I reckon, or um or Petit Ballon, whatever that climb Petit was. Petit Ballon, yeah. And um and then I always felt like she was the, the one that attacked early. And I wonder if Volring might be a bit more defensive to the point that it'd have to come from an, a canyon rider here or there. For all Her attacks, name maybe. is Kay. Asya. Nuvia Doma. It's got to be her, <laughs> right? Yeah, but I, I feel like maybe the other riders can be early action, like Barnfine might go first, then Niedermeyer ah, goes, and then maybe Nuvia Doma is the final hit, because... She's the largest chance for them to podium. That's a great for point. Now. Yeah, if you're Canyon Shram, you try get in the break. If you don't get in the break, you launch early with your second tier climbers on this climb and put Nivea Doma in a seat. And that's the thing. I, I think, I think SD Works got to take Fisher Black to this race. If yeah. Kapeki doesn't do the race, if she doesn't do it and they don't take Fisher Black. Who will chase a Canyon Shram rider if they do what you said, Wait, Benji, on this climb? They might just put Royster in that group and react with Royster and just uh, put true. her in she that wheel. And, but, but if you have Royster in that wheel, if you're, That's what if they you're did. Niedermeyer or Bauernfeind and Royster is in your wheel, would you be more willing to have Niedermeyer or Bauernfeind fight it out with Royster? Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> think that's a scenario I would hate. Because like as Dwork sending their domestiques forward was yeah. always the weakness this year, or well, in the little amount of races that it mattered. Yeah, yeah, it would always have been better just you put Royce on the front and yeah. then make the race as hard as possible, and then Volering does the business. But it's difficult often to get someone to do that as a domestique who's also could be Olympic champion in the TT. Won the the stage. You can top five GC in this race yeah. as well. Royce herself, she eventually. She did pace on the, the Tourmalet this year, but Kopecky did not pace for Volering really on the Tourmalet from my, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes, but I feel like that was tactical from the team and not necessarily egotistical or something. No, no, I'm just saying like probably before the race to manage, and it's, we saw in the Vuelta, it is borderline impossible to manage so many top riders in one team because yeah. Vibas wants to win points in multiple stages. Royster wants to win the TT and do her best in GC and try and maybe win one of the mixed stages. Kapeki wants to do her best on GC, win the well, win whatever. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's maybe exactly. Maybe she's like, oh, it's too much of a mess. I'll go to the Olympics. Uh, Volering wants to win GC, so it's very, very difficult to manage. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN all that but yeah what do you what do you see from this stage then i, I think did she fight i actually think it's a breakaway again and i yeah with someone like a good climber no. like a bound find winning i don't see it for me as gc fight 
and maybe Baron Fight can win from that group, but maybe an early action can lead to the victory if, if SD Works doesn't want to control it entirely, but it would have to be riders that are not dangerous for GC as well, which after the stage we had, I don't expect Baron Fine to be on 20 minutes either. So True. it's kind of like, I don't know. But it is 160 kilometers. I think the la yeah, it's a long stage. last year, last year the longest stage I think ever in women's cycling was 177 kilometers in yeah. that. Uh, in that year, which was Turodes, if my memory serves me right. Who won that? Falling? I think, I think Castellan. Castellan? Oh, yeah, that was a break stage. Yeah, you're right. But the difference here for me is that the, there's a medium mountain in the last 20 kilometers, which I think GC can, can really ramp it up on. So, I don't know. I see it like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. We'll see eventually. But oh, the next stage... On. Of yeah. course, if SD Works just puts someone on the front to pace, the break does not win. So yeah. it's in their hands uh, and Trek as well. But yeah, the next stage, Benji. Now we're, we're going actually to the Haute Savoy in the Alps. Champagnol to Le Grand Bornin, 167 kilometers. And I just said it, that stage last year, 177 kilometers, the riders afterwards were like, ooh, that was a long stage. It was difficult to make difference at the end of a 177 kilometer uh, race. This is 167, so it's shorter. But I think this is harder because... We've got a medium mountain 50 kilometers in. It's the, the La Croix de Serra, uh, the La Serra, 12 kilometers at 5.1%. That's proper attrition and is a launching pad if you want to do something crazy. Who knows? Then there's so many like smaller hills in between at 2.4 kilometers at 4.5%, 4 kilometers at 4.5%. But there's so many unclassified hills in there as well that it's ups and downs throughout the day. I'd be curious to know the exact elevation while you're while you're staring at a computer, hopefully you can find it. Uh, and this is all in a run in towards the final climb, which is the climb to uh, Le Grand Bornin, which this is also one of those like ben double Connor, climbs, baby. two stepped climbs. So we first have the uh, Col de Saint-Jean the sixth, which is 5.4 kilometers at 5.1%, but it has like a one kilometer descent and then go straight into the next mountain, which is Monte de Chant de Chinaillon. Seven kilometers at 5.1%. So the gradients are 5%, but it is 12 kilometers of climbing with a kilometer of descent in between. So this is going to be a GC winner. This is by far the hardest, second hardest stage we've seen in any of the three editions. Yep. We have not seen ASO put in basically a second mountain stage before. And I think they probably really like, like the Tourmalet stage I thought was really good last year. Of course, Volring smoked yep. everybody in the end, but I thought it was, I mean, that was great. Nuvidoma kicked it off and I thought it was an unbelievable stage. So, yep. Covadonga in La Vuelta, Femenina, unbelievable stage as well, their big mountain stage. So, they've gone with the second mountain stage, as Benji said. This is a lot of climbing. There's not much flat in this at all. I think... I think there can be big, big differences uh, on this stage. I worry about Riolini mm -hmm. staying close in GC basically at, up to this point, and I also don't think it's the best climb for her. I think it's still good, but um, yeah, this is a really good climb for Vollering, who's heavier than Riolini, but also you know the world's best climber. And yeah, I think I think it's also a good finish for Kapeki. I think it's a really good climb for her and Royce with that five percent for a long time. If the race had finished at the end of this stage and Kapeki Kapeki wins GC. <laughs> I 
I don't believe so. I think Volring still wins it, but she won't be three minutes behind. No, certainly not. Uh, but yeah, she would certainly be on the podium, I think, if it finishes here. I think maybe the next stage might not be the case. But yeah, I think that's the thing, Benji. If, if Volering does the business here, she's also probably going to have, she will not probably, she will beat Riolini and say the TT and Nuvia Doma in the TT. Yeah. She, say she takes some bonies, even if they're passive, takes bonies here or there in, in the gauge, in, in some of the other stages. And then also just does like a last, a Roglic, rides up to this point like Roglic and, and on the Grand Bonnet also does that because she did that on the stage where she got Van Vleuten last, uh, this year and, you know, takes yeah. maybe 10 plus 10 here, goes into the last stage on a, a minute in in the lead. What do they do? Well, they got to try and attack her somehow, but like it looks, you have to look at the kind of rider you are like. First of all, let, let's go over this profile. Yeah. You can do it. The Grand Bonon, <laughs> which is, sorry, not O'Connor, it's where Pagacha basically ended the Tour de France yeah. in 2021 when you had the Rom combo. Um, they start there, some rolling hills at the start. It's a 150k stage before a 40 or 50k valley before. The, it's the same stage as the mountain stage this year, effectively, but I think, meh, I don't know if it's more difficult or not. I don't think so, because they do the Col du Glandon, 20Ks at 7.2%. That's the hardest climb in the stage, up to 1942. Descent, another 15K valley before Alpe d'Huez, the famous Alpe d'Huez. So Dutch corner there. It's. I mean, does this count as a Dutch finish as well? Did the <laughs> Netherlands pay for this finish at 14Ks, 8%, up to 1850 no, nah, so no, nah, it's not a Dutch finish. <laughs> not a Dutch finish. Um, <laughs> Double Mountain this year, as a reminder, they had uh, finishing on the Tourmalet, but there was action beforehand uh, that was uh, only a 90k stage, so that was much shorter, and the Col d'Aspin was not as difficult as the finish. And on the 12k, 6.6% on the Col d'Aspin, it completely kicked off there yeah. with, the, with Van Vleuten launching. So this has a like the excuse me, the Col d'Aspin compared to the Col du Glandon are not comparable. The Col du Glandon is it is harder than the uh, is similar to the Tourmalet itself, and then you got up to where this is much much harder. Yeah, and it's also sixty k's longer with hills at the start. I think this this is going to be monster gaps. I think. I've said so much about SD Works. I, I really believe if Riolini improves, which is possible for how old is she? You know, a 20-something-year-old, 20, 22 years old. I think Riolini could win the tour on this stage. That is possible, but I've got one issue with Riolini. And my issue with Riolini is that the descent of the Glandon is a problem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As in, she's a pretty light rider, and I think that's an understatement to the point that it's such massive weakness for her in the sense that she just loses ground. She's been dropped in so many descents in 2023. So, and it, I believe it's not just technicality, eh? It's, it's literally just no, her no. weight catching up with her. Yeah, yeah. It's just, she's 40 kilos. Like, it's... It's so difficult for her to just like, if she has to pedal out of a corner. Say they they go down a corner, there's two mm -hmm. hairpins, you know, Volering kicks out of it at 600 watts. Really, needs 40 kilos. She's kicking out of it at like 350. 
400 yep. watts maybe, maybe less. And so it's also tiring for her to just stay on the wheel. Yeah, so that's my issue there. If she can get to the bottom of Alduez in the same group and still has energy left, then it's possible. But it's also like she might still be in the group, but she might be completely destroyed from the actual descent to the point that she might not be able to go all out on the final on the final climb then. But I I, I want to see it. I also want to see Niedermeyer rather prime. I want to see all those oh, kind true, of riders. Yeah. I want to see Nivia Doma. Maybe Nivia Doma goes on Glandon because she has that descent quality. It's honestly 19 kilometers at 7%. The gaps could already be there on Glandon. This is not a small climb. This is not like the... No. We, we've got this hill outside of Histel called the Roxenberg, which is about 15 meters in altitude. It's not that. Or it's a Vanberg, big climb. The highest point in the Netherlands. <laughs> I think that's not true. Is it? This looks like a men's stage. This is for the first time as well. You look at this and you're like, this is a proper Tour de France mountain stage. I thought last year's was good uh, mm -hmm. as well. And listen, whether the valleys, if the valley's 50Ks or 20Ks, it means the stage is 30Ks longer. It doesn't necessarily mean it's more exciting or really yeah. more attritional if they're just cruising along a valley anyway. So, uh, but this has hills and proper climbs at the start where the break might form. Yeah, I agree. Like, Col du Vendon is insanely yeah. hard as the first climb followed by Up to Wes. And the thing is, one of the first reactions I got on Twitter when I, when I was, like, giving my opinion on this, on this profile was, oh, the stage is too short. No, no, no. Turmalay was 89 kilometers, and the gaps were five minutes to the sixth rider, two minutes from one to two. This is going to be huge gaps, 150 kilometers. Yeah, Covadonga was 90Ks, and the gap from first to tenth was three, three minutes 40. It's going to be a huge difference. This is... This is the all-out deciding stage. Are there tactics possible? Because I feel like this will just be won by the best rider. No, I think Riolini's going to kill everybody. I think she's going to kill everybody on this stage. Um, <laughs> you want to see it, huh? I think she will She will drop. Well, I think she was the strongest on, on Kovadonga, but she had a gearing problem, uh, which really cost her uh, on, that, on that climb. And I think this is much harder. And also Kovadonga's... Oh, actually, it's pretty, it's pretty difficult, that climb. But yeah, it's... I can't wait to watch this. It's going to be brutal. Yeah. There's going to be monster gaps. The gap from 1st to 10th is going to be like five minutes, maybe. Um, and yeah, there's, it certainly could kick off on Glandon. And that's the final stage. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whoever GC could be decided. I think they... Why do they do it like that? I think they... I think that might be... I, mean, I know they do it in advance, so it might not be from the previous year. But yeah, the... The finish of Kovadonga, I'd encourage you to go watch that this year. It was the final stage of the Vuelta, the uh, women's Vuelta. GC was decided there by like a fraction, by a few seconds, because Van Vleuten held on. You got a video on that on your channel? I do, yeah. There we go. People know P -gate. where to go. P-gate, because <laughs> allegedly Van Vleuten attacked SD Works when they were uh, all decided. They did a, yeah, they stopped for a nature break before a crosswind section, so... Uh, Van Vleuten won GC by nine seconds despite losing uh, a minute on Covadonga. But how would you rate the route, Benji? We've gone through all the stages. I think it's uh, each year they seem to build it up in terms of uh, yep. length of stages and difficulty of stages bit by bit. It's still only eight stages and to be honest, seven and a half because that prologue is is not, or not prologue, that TT is is much shorter than this year's. What, what would your overall assessment of the race and parkour be? I think one small thing is that I, I would have liked this year to have been the opportunity by the fact that they have two stages on one day 
to add an extra day to it, because then it's the same amount of days, but one stage more, that would already be a step in the direction of a, a longer Grand Tour here. Uh, I don't care what kind of stage they would have added. I do feel like the pacing in this Grand Tour is pretty good, as in I like that it's backloaded, because otherwise we'd have a very decided race very early. And I don't mind it starting in the Netherlands. That should uh, create quite a bit of hype in the Netherlands. That might create more hype than we saw last year with the Tour de France Femme, to be honest. I reckon we've have, we'll have more hype at the start of the Tour de France Femme in 2024 than the start in France in 2023. Yeah, probably. Probably. I think it is going to be mayhem in those stages. And that's really good. And that's probably why they wanted to have it oh, there, as you said. My score. Hmm. Hmm, I'd say about, I'd say about an eight and a half, maybe, as in one thing I would like to see more is kind of like the, the tactical medium mountain stage. That makes sense? As in one where you could see some tact, it's difficult to create that's it. That's the age, isn't it? Ah, that's a hilly stage for me. I want to see like a, a tactical medium mountain stage with like five kilometers at 7% with like a valley afterwards and maybe a climb at the start to create a situation where people could send riders forward. I'm just thinking through those kind of things, I want to see something like that. Yeah, true. I think it's missing a, a wall finish. I don't yeah. even think we had one. We had some of them in the first year, but uh, when I look at this for Lippert, I'm like, what stage can Lippert win? And maybe it's that Omniville. Omniville. Wait. Where is Murdoch? Isn't that near Liège? Why did they not finish the LBL stage and combine all three Hill Classics by doing Amstel at the start, then oh, LBL with La Redoute, Rochefort, and finishing on Mur de Huy? It'll be too backloaded at that stage. People would wait for a week. Yeah, probably. Uh, and Valorant would be good, too good on that anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it's kind of missing that. But apart from that, it's a pretty good route. I'd give it a seven. I do. I give it a big tick for the final mountain stage. I think that's like... Yeah. People don't realize yet how hard that stage is going to be. And I think it's so hard that even if Volering goes in with a 130 lead, she has a problem. I think, I think it's possible that a pure climber like Riolini can actually win GC Wait. on just that stage. If you are Lorena Wiebes, why would you stay longer than stage than the stage to Aniville? Maybe if you're in the points jersey. Yeah, true. Yeah. But like, but yeah. most sprinters could fuck off then. I guess they'd probably wanted to help control the breakaway on the next stage. Yeah. But yeah, it's the Grand Bonon and Alpe d'Huez not looking good for her uh, or the other sprinters. And if you get dropped, if, if breakaway formation on that final stage is aggressive on the opening two climbs in the first 30 kilometers, uh, it could even be an explosive start to that stage. But yeah, let us know what you think. Will Demi Vollering just clean it up again? Am I being too bullish on Riolini? Is that just cope? I'm sure SD Works <laughs> is going to have a big plan for the Netherlands uh, Grand Depart. And I think it's a, it's a pretty good route overall. And as Benji said, maybe an extra stage with the uh, extra day would have been the way to go. But to be honest, they're trying to work it around the Olympics in an unusual year. Uh, and that's also a good test to see, without being directly attached to the men's race, what will viewership be like uh, with it sort of standing on its own, being in in a separate, you know, two weeks, three weeks later rather than straight afterwards. I'm not complaining because we get a little bit of a break. 
uh, between the two races, but that will be very interesting to see the, the viewership data on that, uh, which they've been forced to do. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back with uh, not, not uh, team previews, with awards shows coming next week, GC, and then uh, then we'll get into the team previews in November. Any also started to announce a rider, <laughs> one rider a day. I'm not sure Oscar Rodriguez package deal with Carlos Rodriguez yeah. needs his own day to digest. I think we all know what happened there. Um, <laughs> three years, man. Yeah, it's it's Amador Carapaz package. Eh? Every yeah. time their agent, Aquadro, combines both, or a rider that is less likely to get a deal like that with a rider that is likely to get a deal like that to make sure both get a will through contract. And I often wonder, does that negatively impact the desire for the big rider? In any way, does that I mean, impact that? Because then you're not necessarily acting in their best interest. No. But probably Carlos Rodriguez just got a lot more money from Ineos than he was going to get out of Movistar, so he's probably not complaining because uh, yep. they signed the pre-contract at Movistar and that, that leveraged his price up. But yeah, you're right. It's a bit strange. I mean, I also think it's strange the teams, professional teams, allow that sort of uh, thing to happen. And, uh, but yeah, anyway. They're being held hostage by agents, basically. Yeah, it's not how I would approach it, but maybe you don't. If you want the talent, you want the talent, if that's indeed what happened. But yeah, three-year deal to Ineos, Oscar Rodriguez, bit surprised. He is a fine right He had a bad crash in the Giro. Yeah. But, uh, Mid-range yeah. domestique, but he won't make the difference. Yeah. May I mean... They've had success taking Movistar Domestiques with Castro, so uh, he could be okay, but yeah. Um, I, remember, yeah. I remember the day where Oscar Rodriguez won a Velta stage when he was riding for um, Green Jersey. What was that? What was that bloody team? Oiskaltel, the Green Jersey? Were they still green back then? Yeah, it was, it was Uskadi, yeah. Uh, that Velta. Was that the Lopez Yates Velta? Painful. I was 2018, yeah. He won that five years ago. He's 28 now. So, um, anyway, we'll see what other... Oh, they announced AJ August. I should do the positive as well. So that's a big coup. They got Ineos got one of the most highly touted juniors on the market. Yeah. He sort of goes toe-to-toe with uh, Jorgen Norhagen, who's like Jumbo Super Junior, the Norwegian. So they got August, the uh, young American GC prospect. So we'll be seeing him... Uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing him probably on their... Uh, like Settimana, Copy Bartoli type program, which their their Neo Pros normally do. He signed for three years, and uh, yeah, he's a really really big talent. Can't wait to see how he goes. He won the. I'm trying to. Oh, so yeah, if you want to see them go head to head, you can I think watch on YouTube uh, Cordelope Junior Stage One, uh, where he and Nordhagen go to the line and. Uh, sprint each other which is pretty cool and then he came second on gc behind nordhagen philipson the danish rider was also in that race as well highly touted junior so danish jasper the next guy skipping world tour yeah skipping Straight, world tour skipping skipping u23 <laughs> sorry skipping u20 yeah just skip world tour go to go to <laughs> universe tour Stopping <laughs> uh, in another dimension i right, gotta right, give some credit to to the belgian you know either come on <laughs> he's actually really good Lotto got him signed up don't they yeah they do uh, in the dev team still so he's not skipping world tour 
<laughs> Luke just said, well, skipping, world, skipping tour, world Tour, you just, go to re- you just retire. I've, I've achieved all I need to in the sport. I'm retiring. <laughs> That's fucking sad. <laughs> He's really good, man. Yana yep. Widar. He won La Philippe Gilbert Juniors. He's won loads of other races. Good in uh, Lunigiana, like Brenner RVV. and was. He's very small, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's punchy. He, he tends to ride away on hills, um, whether it's cobble or non-cobble, and then stays away until the line. So, pretty good. Yeah, a lot of exciting junior talents coming through. Uh, I can't wait, to, uh, can't wait to see them in World Tour <laughs> or U23 or retired, in fact, <laughs> next year. <laughs> Luke just said, Yana Widar is just like me for real. <laughs> or oh, wait, are we talking about Yana Widar or about retirement? I think he's talking about retirement because Luke's like six <laughs> foot five and Yana Widar looks like me. <laughs> Jesus right. Christ. That's all from us. We'll be back maybe with more trends. Ah, we probably won't have another transfer pod, to be honest, because we'll just get straight into team previews. We've obviously got yeah. Roulette next Friday, a week from today. Uh, Benji and I will be there in London uh, in case you want to see us in person uh, that evening on the 3rd of November. But thanks as always for listening and we'll see you uh, starting next week. Ciao. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.